We tend to think that way, that when bad things happen or when trouble comes our way, it's because something that we've done. And that could be true most of the time. I have a way of causing bad things to happen in my life, digging toast out of a toaster with a knife or trying to fix something that really doesn't need to be fixed or use a hammer when a screwdriver would work better. But the thing is, hard times are not always about punishment. in an electrical outlet, you can expect bad results. Many of our hardships and trials do come as a direct result of our poor choices, but that's not always the case. Whether they are self-wrought or completely outside of our control, the storms of life can be seen as a curse or an opportunity. As Pastor Mark challenges us in today's message, instead of overanalyzing every situation we are confronted with, we have a loving Father who is waiting for us to bring it to His feet. As we trust ourselves to His care and guidance, we will find that He can bring redemption out of the worst circumstances. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20 with today's edition of Come Alive. Anybody ever have a friend? Sure, you all do. You're, some of you are sitting next to your friends. Your best friends are with you. should be your spouse. But, you know, somebody you can be painfully honest with. Someone you can share the strange, the weird, and the bizarre with. Anybody have a friend like that? I have friends, and I think I'm the guy that shares the most strange, bizarre, and weird with those guys. And so today we're going to take a look at chapter 20, and we're going to see what it is to be a friend a little bit in the beginning, and then kind of how it all winds up. So if you'll look at chapter 20, verse 1 with me, we'll begin reading there, just a few verses, and then we'll, we'll get into it. It says, Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and he went and he said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there's but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat, but let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. Let's stop there. Let's take a look at verse one where David It talks about him fleeing from Naoth. And we'd have to ask the question, why? Why does David flee? Why did David leave that place where the Spirit of God protected David there in a powerful way? And if you remember, last week we talked about him going to hang out with Samuel. And the Holy Spirit moves in such an amazing way that even the three uh, groups of men that Saul sends after David to retrieve him or bring him back or even kill him, 
Well, they wind up prophesying and just kind of having some church service there in a really cool way. So he could have simply stayed there for however long it took for Saul to either give up or die. And yet David left for a good reason. He wanted to know if Saul's heart had been changed at all and if there was still a chance to reconcile with King Saul. And so that's what David, you know, kind of takes off and says, hey, I want to see what's going on here. And so when David left, he went to see his close friend, Jonathan, would be Saul's son. And Jonathan, he is the crown prince, the crown prince of Israel. And everyone would think, and you would even think, him being the next son, the next one in line for king, everyone except for David and Jonathan thought this. And, and if you were with us last week and the weeks before, you would understand why. And so Jonathan knew that David was called by God to be the next king. So he wasn't going to stand in the way of David's kingship or in, in God's calling. And he was willing to step aside so that he would not be resisting the will of the Lord. So sometimes as a good friend is what we see here is sometimes a good friend says, hey, man, you go ahead. I'd rather promote you. I'd rather see you go first and and get the good stuff rather than me. Though for us, we're like, man, well, why would you do that? Well, why would somebody want to do that? And why why not me be able to be the one to be first? And so it's not that way. It's about denying ourselves as Christians we're called to do that. It's about seeking God's will and God's best. So Jonathan knew that it was God's will for David to be the king, and he also knew it would be best for him just to step back and step out of the way, step to the side so that he wouldn't be resisting the will of the Lord. And then David asks, well, what have I done? And you would ask the same thing if somebody threw a spear at you as you were doing worship inside the court. Your first question would be like, man, did you not like the song? Did I sing the wrong note? What has happened here? And so we would all ask this. We think when trouble comes our way because of, you know, sometimes something we've done. And and I find that amazing a lot of times is we, even in, in my own life the other day, something happened and I remember going, Lord, what have I done to deserve this? And he quickly reminded me that it wasn't anything you've done. Don't think so much of yourself. You have very little power, Mark. So sometimes we do. We tend to think that way, that when bad things happen or when trouble comes our way, it's because something that we've done. And that could be true most of the time. I have a way of causing bad things to happen in my life, digging toast out of a toaster with a knife or trying to fix something that really doesn't need to be fixed or use a hammer when a screwdriver would work better. But the thing is, hard times are not always about punishment. And for some reason, I think we think that. Sometimes, therefore, preparation. Hard times can be used to drive us closer to God. And so when those hard times come in my life, and I I shared something last week with you guys, that there was those hard times in my life, and it did drive me closer to the Lord. It drove me to more prayer throughout that day and that week. And so and as the story unfolds here, we're going to see a diamond in the rough, so to speak, starting to get those rough edges chipped away at, knocked off as God prepares David for his calling. And the same thing can happen with us. Maybe you feel a calling in your life. Maybe the Lord has called you to something, and you can't figure out why this trouble has come upon you. Well, maybe that's the Lord just preparing you for something, for something bigger. Because, I mean, you have to think about it. You're faithful with these little things, and we do great. And then he gives us a little more. 
And it's kind of like when people ask about businesses, you know, they're like, man, what's it like? And, and they don't ask me this, but I've asked people this and said, hey, what's it like to have a three or a four million dollar a year business? And the first thing they say, you get three or four million dollars a year worth of headaches. And you do, but that's God. He prepares you in those little things. Maybe you're a $10,000 a year business or person. And you got these little things. And then as you grow, you learn to handle those little things. And you continue to grow and move and grow and move and grow and move. And so you continue to have hard times. And so that's God just preparing us for the calling. Maybe it's ministry for some of you. You can't figure out, well, I don't want to go over there and mess with those little kids. I want to, I'm called to be whatever in the big church. Well, sometimes he prepares you with those little kids. Because dealing with adults is a lot worse than dealing with little kids. We all know it. If you've ever been in management, I tell people all the time, I would rather be a kindergarten teacher than a manager of adults because their problems are bigger and they act worse than children. At least a kid, you can say, hey, be quiet. Go sit down. It'll go away. And the kid will do that. An adult sits there and just, constantly, you're just like, oh, what can happen? Lord, can you remove this person? Sometimes he says, no, I'll just remove you. So we should see this in David's testing here. David is testing Jonathan's loyalty, in a sense, because, of course, he wants to know what Saul thinks, but even more important to David is to know what Jonathan thinks. Hey, hey, buddy, uh, you're my best friend, so well, what do you think is going on? What have I done? Why is your dad mad at me? And David wants to know if Jonathan has come to the place of agreement with his father Saul, or if he, because it, it's kind of like saying, hey, man, am I just looking at this whole thing wrong, bro? I mean, your dad's throwing spears at me. Is there something I've done wrong? And Jonathan could have said, dude, he hates the harp, and he hates that song. Quit playing it. And it'd be easy. Okay, all he had to do is say so. He didn't have to throw a spear. But what he's doing is he's testing and seeing if, you know, well, does Jonathan know? What does Jonathan know? So David is kind of complaining and, and you might think, and I, sometimes we think as Christians that, oh, we shouldn't complain. We should never complain. It's not, it's not mature. It's not good. But you know what? It's okay to complain. And, and, and if you have a friend that you can whine to or complain to, man, that's a good friend to have sometimes because sometimes they might just sit and listen where you need an ear. Or other times I might be, hey, you know what? What you said, it all sounds right, but snap out of it. Maybe you just need to change. Maybe there's something in your life that you need to do. And maybe all that other stuff will stop. Who knows? But uh, I'm here. I'm a friend. I'm willing to listen. But that friend cares enough. Hopefully you're that kind of friend where you care enough and you don't say, well, you know what, dude? I just don't want to hear it. I ain't got time for it. I I don't want to hear anything negative. Please just leave me alone. If it's not uh, if you're not singing psalms and happy things to me, then I don't want to hear it. But I mean, when we look in the Bible... And there's a lot of rough stuff in here. And when you look at the Psalms that David has written, who's he complaining to? To the Lord. Hey, why aren't you answering my prayers? It seems that you're far away from me. And he's got these great complaints. And so here we see that he has a friend, Jonathan, that's willing to listen, even about his own dad. Are some of you willing to listen about your own dad sometimes? When somebody starts complaining about God? Uh, man, I don't like what God's doing here, and I don't like it. And sometimes I get offended, and I'm all like, man, how dare you to say that about God, especially after a great quiet time. But then also, you kind of have to switch shoes or switch places with that person and say, hey, you know what? If I were in your shoes, I'd probably be saying the same thing or thinking the same way. 
Some of you know and believe you can find that in a human friend that you can say anything to them. You might have that kind of a friend. But when it comes to our heavenly friend, our, our Father, God, our best friend, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're supposed to, we think that we're supposed to be mature enough to not go to him or bring those things to him. We're to only bring praises to the Lord. And part of that's true, but he doesn't, he doesn't say when he hears your complaint, listen, man, don't you have any idea what I'm going through? I mean, I got this stuff going on over here in the Middle East, Mark, and I, I can't deal with your little, your little petty crying about you don't have enough employees to get the job done or, you know, why the key broke off in the lock or, you know what, why you can't find your other shoe or, you know, it, where's the bologna sandwich that you left on the counter? I don't have time for all of that. I got Middle East stuff. I got wars. I've got a lady about to jump off of a bridge, a man about to leave his wife. I can't hear your complaint. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say that at all. If you turn to Matthew eleven twenty eight, take a look at what he does say. Matthew 11, verse 28. He says something very cool to each and every one of us. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says here, are you laboring? Write the word for labor if you're taking notes. The word for labor means sweat. Are you sweating? What are you sweating? Have you been working so hard that you're tired that you didn't even feel like coming to church and you get into your car and you say, God, do you have any idea how hard it is for me to to go to a Bible study? I said that this morning. I remember waking up going, man, seriously, I'm so tired. Why am I so tired? Just 30 more minutes, Lord. Just 30. Can you make that the longest 30 minutes of the day? And so I lay down and I close my eyes and I start thinking about stuff I got to do and I'm not even resting. And it's like I just hear this little voice, just get up. I promise if you just get up, it'll be good. I know oh, I'm going to fight this thing. And then right when you doze off, it's like 30 seconds of sleep and you're like, really? Can I be like, can you just for 10 more seconds? Can it be the longest 10 seconds of my life just today? And sometimes he says back, no, I'm going to make the longest 10 seconds of your life later. You might need that later on. But have you been working so hard that you're tired and you're just like, man, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want to do it. Heavy laden is another word. If you take notes, write that down. Heavy laden. It's one Greek word that means, and it's just one Greek word. It's ours as it's two, but in Greek it's one. It means to pile up, to pile up. Things are stacking up. Have you got stuff piling up, things happening in business or at home, things happening in your personal life or at home? It's just piling up and you don't know what to do with it. So now you're not only sweating those things, but it it doesn't seem like you're getting anything done because it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So you're working real hard and nothing's getting accomplished and you're like, I don't know who to turn to. I don't know what to do to get this all done. And Jesus says, hey, just just come here. Just bring it here. And I can tell you this. This week, I was reading this verse, and I was thinking about what it meant and all the spiritual implications and going, I know I need to do this, but seriously, I'm going to lay it at your feet. I've got stuff that's still going to be there. I'm going to turn around, and all this stuff, the pile is still going to be there. And he said, just really seriously, just lay it at your feet. And it's one of the first times, I mean, not the first time, but one of the first times where I really doubted that this was going to be taken care of. Where I was just like, there's no way, there's no way. There's, in reality, I'm here, and, and I understand what this says. And if somebody came to me for counsel, I would probably tell them this. And, and he's like, I just want you to live it. 
because you're going to tell somebody this. And I was like, oh, Lord, but it's going to be there. It's still going to be there. And he's just like, seriously, just complain to me. And I, I'd fallen into that, oh, well, you know, I'm supposed to only give you praises. I'm supposed to be a mature Christian. I'm a pastor. And as I'm wrestling with the Lord, literally wrestling, right before I think he broke my hip, I said, all right, here. And I read the rest of that verse. And he wants to, and all he said is just, you know, so you're working real hard. And you think nothing's getting accomplished, right, Mark? And, and you don't, I'm telling you, just come here, seriously, just lay it down. And he just wants to hang out and talk. And that's all I did is I just sat in my office with my door locked so my guys wouldn't think I was completely out of my mind, and sat and I talked and I complained. And I said, listen, man, I don't understand. I thought I heard you when you said do this and I did this and this whole thing blew up and this is going on and this is going on and I didn't understand when this is taking place. And then he just started showing me little bits and pieces. Remember when this, when, when this went away, I did that. So now that you're here, that you don't have to worry about that. I took that thing away so it's not so big over here and I started seeing how like the whole thing started to fit together. And the pile, seriously wasn't that big of a pile anymore. It was manageable. He just wanted to hang out. See, he's not too busy. I was the one that got too busy. It's it's the other way around. We're too busy. It's always, not right now, God, I got this. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am the gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was early in the morning. When I, when I was wrestling with the Lord. And then that night, I slept great. So tomorrow, maybe you'll hear from God and he'll say, hey, you know what? Come close. No, 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 really. I want you to come close. And you're just standing there. And he's like, no, 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 really, really. Come close. Come here. Come here. Come here. It's tough. It's tough out there. And you're just like, you're going to hold your ground. That's the Lord telling you, come close. Just come close. And how many will say, yeah, God, here I am. Yeah, God, here I am. I'm going to come close to you. And and if it's a real friendship between you and Jesus, you're going to respond. You're going to respond. It's okay. You can gripe. You can kick. I love my son, and he knows I love him. And when he has a bad time, sometimes I'm like, come here. And he's like, no. I'm like, come here, dude. And he's like, no. I'm like, come on, bro. Just come over here. Let me give you a little hug. No, Dad, I don't want a hug. I'm mad. I know you're mad. And eventually he'll walk over and I give him a big hug. And I'm like, do you know how much I love you? Yeah, but now I'm in trouble for disobeying. No, you're not in trouble. I understand. I'm just like you, Asa. I know, Dad. I know. I love you, buddy. And he smiles real big and he sits next to me. And I'm like, now, now go away. <laughs> you're in my chair, in my space. Go away. It was fun for a minute, but not, you're too big. But Jesus isn't like that. He doesn't just throw you away. He's like, hey, come to me. Respond. If you know him, you'll respond. Now, if it was one of your kids, they'd probably be like, come here. Come here, buddy. Like, I don't know that weird dude. Why does he want me? Mom and dad say scream and call the police when guys do that at the mall. Oh, no way. They're not going to respond. But if you know him and he knows you, you'll respond. All right, verse 2. Moving right along. So Jonathan said to him, by no means you shall die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, neither great nor small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? So here they have this friendship relationship that allows him to challenge him on what he thinks is not true. So Jonathan's like, bro, it's not true. It's not true. The friend that you can pour out your heart to, well, are they the same kind of friend that can turn to you and say, grow up? Would you allow that friend to tell you, hey, you just need to grow up because, yeah, you know what? The other day, that was a great complaint, and I was with you on it. 
But right now, you're just feeling sorry for yourself, so you're just going to need to get it together, grow up, and move on. Okay, do you have a friend like that? Are you willing to be that kind of a friend, and are you willing to have a friend like that? And so it, it isn't happening the way you think it is, maybe they're telling you. Maybe they're looking at it from a different perspective, and that's what's great about a friend. And they look at it at a whole different perspective to deal with it the way we should deal with it. And so Jonathan says, no, that's not what my dad's doing by no means. So Jonathan was both right and wrong, as we know, if you know this story. Saul was, was out to kill him. I mean, three spear throws and, oh, no, that's not my dad's intentions. And it's like, well, dude, he has a sure funny way of showing friendship. But he's wrong because David will die, but not by the hand of Saul. Later he will die. So we're told that every man is appointed a time to die and God will call you when he's ready for you. And so we know that. You won't be able to prevent it. And God's plans are not thwarted as long as we're walking with him. Nothing will really derail us from God's plans as long as we're walking with him. So this assures that David, or this assures David that Jonathan is still his loyal friend. He asks and says, hey, you know what? Here's the deal, bro. My dad's not after you, but, you know, he hasn't really bought into Saul's lies is what's going on. So Jonathan believed his dad. If you look back at verse 19 and, and 6, uh, chapter 19, verse 6, it says, So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. So Jonathan's kind of banking on this, saying, No, 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 my dad didn't want to kill you. I, I talked to him. He, he was cool. He, everything's all right, bro. But we see that things do change. So he, he says, why should my father hide this thing from me? It's not so. Apparently, David wondered why Jonathan didn't tell him about the attempt on his life at Naoth, if you think about it. Remember, Jonathan would know this. And so Saul had sent all these people. So Jonathan expresses astonishment that his father didn't tell him. He's kind of like, whoa, bro, wait, what? Seriously? He swore to me. And so he assures David of his heart towards him. He lets him know, hey, I'm, I'm still your friend. That's my dad. So why did Jonathan seem so slow to believe that his father wanted to kill David? Well, for Jonathan gave that credit back to that verse 6 in chapter 19. He gave credit to his dad in that chapter. And the worthiest minds are the least suspicious. So, you know, he wanted to believe his dad. All of us as children of our own parents, now that some of us are a little more grown up, know what to believe from our parents. But when you're little... You're willing to believe anything they tell you. And sometimes I, I play these cruel jokes on my kids and they'll believe what I'm telling them. I'm like, hey, you got to be careful. I put an elephant in that closet and, you got, and Ellie is the worst. She'll be like, no, you're a liar, dad. You're a liar. And you'll see her walk over to the closet and she'll look real, because she believes me. I'm not supposed to be telling her stuff like that. And then when she opens it, you know, I'll have a big blanket and it'll fall on her and I'll scream elephant and she kind of, her eyes get big and she's like, told you there was no elephant in there. And I was like, but for a second, you believed. It was a joke. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. 
wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive.